am Chris, and this is my Writing Table podcast, where we talk to authors and other creatives about the writing world and what it takes to create the books that we love to read. Ready? Pull up a chair and let's begin. Adjami is the author of the short story collection, Life and Other Shortcomings, which won an International Book Award, an IBPA Benjamin Franklin Award, and an American Fiction Award. Her prize-winning essays and short stories have appeared in dozens of journals and magazines, including HuffPost. Welcome, Corey. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. I was looking at all the wonderful things that you've done. You've published in magazines and online. And your first book was a series of short stories, Life and Other Shortcomings. One of the quotes was, women are often not given the recognition they deserve. We can and we must learn from the contributions of women past and present. What was it that told you you needed to write those essays? I think for me, it wasn't like such a conscious effort. I didn't wake up one day and say, oh, I need to do this. It was a time in my life. I was in my 30s. I've been married a lot of years already and had five children, small children. And life was busy and hectic and stressful at times. And of course, joyous and special and wonderful too. But when I needed to find a way to deal with the complicated, more difficult feelings, somehow I ended up putting those thoughts and ideas on the page. And it was really a slow build, like, you know, a journal to taking a class to attempting to write one short story, attempting to publish one essay. And it was really one little tiny baby step at a time. How long did it take for you to complete that collection? I'd say from beginning to end six years. It wasn't only just about writing the stories. I was learning about writing, developing my craft, really working on it. I I didn't want to put anything out into the world until I was sure it was like the best I could make it. And even though I have a master's degree, I had very little education around literature. I was able to get through with very few literature classes. And so I needed to go back and read a lot. So I was doing a lot of self-educating. When I was in undergrad, I knew I wanted to write. And I started looking into getting a degree in English. And then I saw that I was going to have to read Chaucer and all that. I was like, I do not want to do that. So I did communication instead. And eventually you have to read everything. (laughs) Yeah. And and no shortcuts. In the end, I wouldn't want to read that either. I wanted to read more contemporary, kind of quick-witted, maybe having some kind of slant on social issues or something like that. So I ended up writing what I would want to read. And that's what they tell us to do, right? What you want to read. So your novel is called The Marriage Box, and it delves into the life of Casey Cohen, a young woman who's looking on the bright side while being plunged into an arranged marriage with a man who wants a vastly different future. Can you tell us a little more about it? Marriage Box is based on my real life, even though it is totally fiction, but it's based on this. I grew up in New Orleans and my family decided to move. My parents had grown up in Brooklyn. They wanted to move back to Brooklyn to the Syrian Jewish community. I was 16. I was a cheerleader in New Orleans, having a great time, was at a college preparatory school, just living my life. And 16 is really not the best time to move a teenager. (laughs) So there was a lot of culture clash to deal with. I write about that in some sad, serious ways, but also in humorous ways, because there was plenty of humor around the things I was experiencing. But it was traumatic in a lot of ways. And I think writing this book was a way to deal with that change and being uprooted like that in my life. And I still live in this community today in New York. 
And so it was just a way for me to kind of integrate a lot of my experiences. But of course, in order to write good fiction, I had to have a lot of conflict and colorful characters. And so while it's based on the premise I just told you about, it is fiction. Do you have an arranged marriage? It, it wasn't an arranged marriage, no. Okay. It was um, highly encouraged. Okay. <laughs> so the idea was to marry in the community for sure, and also at a young age. So another point of the book is the protagonist is 18 when she gets married. And I was also 18. So again, another interesting point, we don't have too many protagonists who are 18-year-old brides. It was an interesting jumping off place. And it was really fun to write about this community in a way, again, with a bit of humor. But also in any community, there are going to be the ups and the downs and the pros and the cons and, you know, the good things and the bad things. And I wanted to explore some of those. It's fun for us to get a peek into those communities that are very distinct and have maintained their culture. You know, there's a lot in the book about the foods and the traditions. So there's that. And then it also takes place like, you know, 1970s, 1980s America. So there's music that's relevant to the time. And it's kind of fun in that way. Sounds like it was a fun book to write as well. It was. How was writing life and other shortcomings different from writing The Marriage Box? I mean, there are obviously two different genres, but how was the process different for you? So totally different. For some reason, writing short stories came more naturally to me and they were manageable. My kids were small, so I could write a 10 or 12 or 15 page story. I'd be able to sit down in a sitting while someone was taking a nap or in between carpool pickups or whatever, and I could manage this story. And then I could get it published in a literary journal and get some feedback within, let's say, months. And the novel was just a whole different beast. I never had enough time to sit down and just read it through. And I'd have to put it down sometimes for weeks and even months. And then it would just take so much time to get back into it and find the voice and find the flow. So it took until my youngest was pretty independent before I could really just spend hours a day focused on it. And then it it happened much more quickly. So it was a long process, though. What about the publication process? I went to She Writes Press with the collection, and I was so satisfied. They're really professional. There's a great sense of community. I feel supported. I love the product. I mean, I think the book came out. It looks really great. I love my cover. And that's their doing. I mean, that's they operate in a traditional way in a lot of aspects. And distribution is done traditionally. So that has made the book available for a large audience. And that's been great, too. So I had a great experience. So I'm doing it again. That's who I published with my first two books. It was a good experience. Your character, Casey, says, when you're 18, you think your dreams are undeniable truths. Going on to say... I had no idea my brain was still developing or that during my first year of marriage, I'd grow an inch. Casey was getting married in 1982. So do you think 18 looks different 40 years later in 2022? Oh, I definitely do. I do for sure. I think women have come really far. It shocks me because in 1982, I thought I was really with it. And I thought I was really modern. And I thought like I was liberated in a lot of ways that I look back and like, nope. (laughs) So I do think that's changed. Do I think we have still a ways to go? Definitely. Hit a couple speed humps over the last year or so. so I mean, honestly, when I was doing this, like I would talk about life and other shortcomings. Originally, it was like right after Me Too. And it felt like we were on this 
great trajectory and it was only going to keep getting better and better. And so it it feels really different talking about it now than it did a year ago. It's still very timely, but it's just a different angle. It's interesting how these things change for women, but not for men. Their world stays the same, but ours is so dependent on other people's decisions. How did the pandemic impact your writing and how you went about promoting both of these books? Life and Other Shortcomings was due to come out in August of 2020. So I got my advanced reader copies that March, which was literally the week where we were being told, don't open your boxes, leave them outside. And then if you're going to bring them in, you spray them down. And right. So every writer is waiting for the moment when their advanced reader copies show up in a box at your door. And ours just stayed in the hallway for (laughs) a few weeks until things settled down. So it definitely had an impact, good and bad. I mean, I wasn't able to go all around the country, but we did discover Zoom and I'm grateful for it. I had days where I was doing a book talk with people in Colorado and New York on the same day, where if I was going by plane, obviously I couldn't do that. Earlier in the pandemic, like March till August, when the book came out, I didn't have the state of mind to write. I wasn't feeling very creative in that way, but I was able to think about PR So I started my Instagram page and I started just getting creative about how I was going to promote this book or share it with the world. And I was writing essays. I was able to do short little things like that. So I wasn't like creating a lot of new stuff during that time. Mm -hmm. And I did have to pivot with how I was going to share like by Zoom instead of in person. But all in all, and I don't know what a different journey would look like. I don't know what the other path would have looked like, but for me, it turned out to be okay. I paid extra for, to have my publicist set up this in-person tour before COVID hit. And thankfully, Zoom helped. You can only do what you can do. And the world was shut down at the time. It just feels really different. Like, I don't know what it's going to look like. How will I be going more to in-person events? I imagine so. It's going to be a little different then. Tell me about your writing day. Yeah, I stumble out of bed with a cup of black coffee. And that next hour or two is really my, that's my sweet spot. I can do different kind of work later in the day, more task oriented or editing. But if I'm going to write something new, morning is the best time. And when I really need to get into a project, like get a kickstart, even starting super early, like at five or six. When my phone is not going to ring, I'm not going to get text messages. I don't even have to look at it or worry about it. I'll do that for a little bit of time just to get like excited about what I'm doing, just to get a jump start. Do you do any outlining ahead of time? I take notes. I take a lot of notes, not really formal outlining at all. I think when it's organic, definitely I've done some writing myself into a mess. That's for sure. But I also think I've discovered surprises that way, which were really fun. Like I had no idea that the story was going to go that way or that a character might do something. And I kind of feel like if I get surprised, so will the reader. And if it's that like joyful and fun for me to experience that, I'm hoping that the reader will too. Plus, it's just my nature. It just feels like even though I'm sure there are benefits to writing outlines, I am not someone who can stick to such guidelines like that. The longer you do this, the more you figure out what, what works for you. And I kept hearing from people that would say, oh, I always use an outline. Otherwise, you know, I'd end up in trouble. Well, what I found is that I would try so hard to stick to that outline. It limited my 
ability to venture outside of it. And it wasn't as much fun. I accepted that, yes, I am going to probably do some type of an outline before I begin just to make some notes, lay it all out. Pretty much once I start writing, I might look back, but I'm going to try to let the story take me. The last two manuscripts I've written, I've done that way. And it's much more satisfying, much more fun. So, you know, I think you have to do what works for you. Yeah, for sure. When you begin writing, who is your inspiration? In the beginning, I was reading a lot of short stories and I loved Nathan Englander. I love his short story, what we talk about when we talk about Anne Frank, mm-hmm. Philip Roth. Life and Other Shortcomings, a big inspiration for me was Elizabeth Strout. She wrote Olive Kitteridge and Jennifer Egan, who wrote A Visit from the Goon Squad. Both those books are told like in stories. And I think it was in reading those two that I got the inspiration to link my short stories so that like another shortcomings, the short stories were originally published as standalone pieces, but then I linked them and by changing very few details. And now it reads a little bit more like it's novel like just because you get to find out what happened to the character from the first short story by the eighth short story, like you're still hearing little snippets of what happening with oh, that fun yeah it's fun and then also making the connection of who knows who and how are they related because there are lots of connections that happen I make my reader work a little bit it's always fun even if you read not necessarily a series Kristen Higgins does this she'll refer back in some of her book to another character in another one of her books kind of feel like oh I know them I can see in a series of short stories how fun that would be as well Sometimes the news can be grim and it's hard to find motivation. So what is it that brings you back to the page? Usually angst. Um, It's something that's upsetting me or makes me angry. I mean, I think it was those two emotions originally. And now it can be joy too. Yeah, but I think it's when I want to work something out. And when I'm grappling with something, an idea, a thought, a situation, a feeling. What is the most fun for you about writing? Great question. When it's all done, it's really great. Yeah, it is. (laughs) But, you know, like I'm working on something else now and I was feeling a bit stuck and I went upstate for two days. And when I left, I was like, okay, I've established that that doesn't work. This project is just not going to happen. It's whatever. Because this doesn't work and that doesn't work. And then I went to bed. And I woke up in the morning, five o'clock in the morning the next day and ran to my computer. I was just like, I got it. I have the answer. And there are not many things that bring me more joy than that. (laughs) That's just a great feeling when you've solved the problem. And then I don't know the enthusiasm you have for the project then, whether it's the character development or the storylines or all of it coming together. It's just magic. Oh, neat. Yeah, I think when it starts to grow roots and wings, and I mean, you just see it going in all of the different directions. It's really fun. What have you read lately that you've enjoyed? I loved Marcy Jomansky's book, Very Nice. Mm -hmm. So in this project, I'm talking about somebody recommended that I read Marcy's book because my book has six points of view. And so her book does too. Wow. I loved it. I loved it a lot. Let's talk about points of view. The one you're working on now has six points of view. I'm curious. I know you write spontaneously, so you're not outlining, but how are you organizing your six points of view? I started out almost like thinking about each character as a short story. So chapter one was like the first character, 
he has like a short story and then second character has her story. And so they all are like operating independently, but referring mm-hmm. to each other because they know each other also. And this is where I'm talking about where I, I get into trouble. So I did that for the six points of view and I loved what I wrote for each character. But now you need a beginning of your novel. You need a beginning of this story. And why do they know each other and why does it matter? So then it's like working backwards. Okay. What's the story really about? Where's the opening? Where's it going to go? I just jumped right in. Moving forward, now that you have those six profiles set up, are you writing character A's story and then going to character B or just going directly through as they relate to each other, like chronologically or how does that work? So I have just a first draft done of this book. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what will happen. But in the beginning too, I was making myself stick to the order of whatever order I put them in originally, I wanted Mm -hmm. them to appear in that order again, the second time around. And that got really confining. So I started mixing it up a little bit. And I don't know what's going to end up happening with this book. It just was that surprise element I was telling you about. Like I had to have character A do whatever for the sake of the story. And then because they did that, character B obviously would do this or surprisingly would do that or, and kind of just went like that. So do you know how this book is going to end? I have an ending. Yeah. Which did surprise me, honestly. Well, that helps a lot, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Really surprised me. I like the ending. Yeah. You know, when you feel like that, your readers are going to enjoy it too. That's the hope. (laughs) What is your advice for new writers? I actually just wrote an essay titled something like three non-writing tips to get you writing. So I would say two things. One is baby steps. Like just do the next easy write thing, whether it's jotting something down on a napkin, putting a note in your cell phone. And the non-writing tips are about like reading other people's work that really inspires me. Somebody who's introduced a character in an unusual but brilliant way. You know, I read with a pencil in my hand, taking notes and underlining things and circling things. And there are books that I do think are really motivational, like The Artist's Way or Bird by Bird or On Writing by Stephen King. Mm. I guess my suggestion would be, depending on where you are in the writing process, if you're just starting, to do the things that are the least intimidating. You're not going to get into trouble just starting to dabble. You feel like you're in a community and then it feels more comfortable and you're learning. And then little by little, you take a baby step and then you take another one. Until you finish. Thank you, Corey. Thank you so much for having me. To learn more, visit CoreyEdgeMe.com. If you're enjoying The Writing Table, please consider leaving us a review. There are so many podcasts out there. Reviews help other listeners find us. Thanks so much for your support.